0: In a town near Liadi, where, of course, the great Rebbe, the Alta Rebbe of Pshner Zaman of Liadi lived, there was a young Tamid Chacham Torah scholar who was married to a lovely young woman. whose father happened to be very wealthy because in those days that was the custom. Many times the father of a wealthy daughter would marry her off to a Torah scholar and support him so that he can sit and learn Torah for a few years or maybe for longer. And this young man had been sitting and learning Torah, but as we know from listening to these stories, of course, you know, sometimes the wheel of fortune turns and sometimes you're on the top and sometimes you're on the bottom. And unfortunately for this young man's father-in-law, he lost most of his money and he couldn't afford to support his son-in-law anymore. So he said to him, listen, I'm going to give you a loan and you'll go out and you'll buy some merchandise. I'll tell you who to go to. I'll tell you what to buy and you'll resell it. And that way you'll make a living. And so for a few years, this Torah scholar went and bought and resold merchandise, and one day he's coming back, and it happened to be the day before Shavuot, and he had all of this merchandise in the back of his wagon, and he's coming close to the Adi. and he said to himself, you know, I used to, before I became a merchant and I was a Torah scholar, I used to spend all of the holidays by the Rebbe, and I miss it so much. And so he decides to just leave the wagon in the middle of the forest and run to Liadi to make it there just before the holiday of Shavuot started. And when he arrives in Shul for Mencha just before the holiday, the Rebbe turns to his son and he says, that young man that just came in, he's a chassid of mesirut nefesh, of self-sacrifice. And the Rebbe's son, who didn't usually hear words like this from his father, really wanted to know who was this special guy, that just showed up out of nowhere. And so after davening, the Rebbe's son goes over to the young merchant, and he says to him, Shalom Aleichem, Lechem Shalom, tell me, what's your story? We saw you running to shul just before Mincha. What's going on? He said, you know, I'm a chassid of your father, and I love spending the holidays by the Rebbe, and I used to have the time to sit and learn Torah. But unfortunately, my father-in-law couldn't support me anymore, and I had to become a merchant. And here I am, driving back with all this merchandise. And I had this thought, I just want to be by the Rebbe. And I don't know, it was a little crazy. I simply jumped out of the wagon, left it in the forest, and ran over here. And when the merchant went to meet the Rebbe, after davening, the Rebbe said to him, Don't worry, when the holiday is over, you'll find the wagon and all of your merchandise completely untouched. Bezat Hashem, with God's help. And so, of course, the whole holiday, the Chassid didn't think about his merchandise because he was completely certain that if the Rebbe said to him, it would be fine. Didn't have to worry about it being stolen or damaged or anything. And as he's about to leave after the holiday is over, he goes to say goodbye to the Rebbe. And he says to the Rebbe, you know, I used to have the time to sit and learn. Now I have to make a living. And all this traveling and selling, buying and reselling, I don't have time to sit and learn. You have any suggestions for me, Rebbe? And the Rebbe said, if you became an innkeeper, a tavern keeper, it would give you time to sit and learn. Your wife would be able to help you with the business, and you would have blocks of time where you could sit and learn Torah. So the Chassid thanked the Rebbe, headed back into the forest. And just like the Rebbe had promised, no one had touched his merchandise. And there happened to be a wealthy nobleman who was passing by, and he had gone back and forth past this wagon over the last few days. And he says to the chassid, what kind of crazy person leaves a wagon full of merchandise in the middle of the forest? And the chassid said, my good sir, this wagon has been sitting here for three whole days and nobody touched it because my rebbe, the great rabbi, he blessed me and he told me that it would be safe. And the nobleman was so shocked to hear this because he knew anyone else who would leave a wagon in the middle of the forest, everything would be stolen. And he knew himself he had driven past it a few times over the last few days. So he says, young man, I see you're a very special, honest, and straightforward person, and I'd like to make a business deal with you. In my village is a very fine inn and tavern, and you can make a good living there, and I happen to own it, and I'm looking for someone to manage it. The chassid didn't have to think very long. He said I'd be happy to take it. However, I don't have enough money to run a tavern. I'd have to buy vodka and whiskey and beer. And to run the inn, I'd have to have food for the horses when people came. And I don't have any money to hire any staff. All I have is whatever profits I'm going to make from selling this merchandise. And it's not so much. So the nobleman says, listen, I need somebody I can trust. I've had a real problem with this tavern. Every time I rent it out, it doesn't work out for some reason. But I feel like I can trust you. So I'm willing to lend you whatever money you need in order to get you started in business. And you'll pay me back month by month until you paid back your debt. And so they shook on it. It was a deal. The chassid went home, he sold all of his merchandise, and then he told his wife and his children that were moving to the inn, and obviously the Rebbe gave him a bracha, a blessing, that he would be successful there. And sure enough, they bought everything they needed, they rearranged the inn, and things started working out very well. People were coming, they were buying, he had time to sit and learn, but some of the Jewish neighbors, they came to this young chassid and they said to him, do you know where you are? And he said, yeah, I know exactly where I am, I'm in my inn. They said, do you know what the story of this inn is? And he said, no. They said, living next door to your inn is an old Russian couple. and They have the ability to curse people. And every Jew that ever rented this inn within a year, Chas v'shalom, God forbid, died. So do you know what kind of mess you got yourself into? And the Chasid said, I'm not scared of witches or black magic or curses. My Rebbe told me that this is where I would be successful. And this is where I could learn Torah. Why would my rebbe send me to a place where I would die, God forbid? And within a few months, that little inn and tavern made so much money that the young chassid was able to pay back his entire debt to the nobleman. But a few months later, he got a little cold, and then it got worse and worse, and it sapped all of his energy, and it got to the point where he wasn't even able to walk. He just had to lay in bed all day long. He couldn't get up. He couldn't do anything. And he realized it must be the Russian couple next door. They must have cursed him like they did everyone else. And he knew he had to get back to his Rebbe. But he didn't have the energy. He tried day after day. And finally, he was able to get himself up and into the wagon. And when he arrived on Friday night, it happened to be the Torah portion of Balak. On Friday night, unfortunately, the Chassid didn't have the energy to get to Shul. He tried. He just couldn't get up. But the next morning, with a great effort, he was able to walk to Shul, where the Altir Rebbe davened. In Rav Alman of the Adi, normally he would read the Torah portion himself. And when it came to the fifth Aliyah, he turns to the gabbai and he says to him, I want you to call the Jew sitting in the back row on the left. Now the gabbai, who had been watching the Rebbe, reading the Torah the whole time, knew that the Rebbe hadn't seen this Jew come in. and It also wasn't the way of the Rebbe to tell the gabbai who to call up. But the gabbai goes to the back and finds the young Hasid, who's the innkeeper and tavern keeper, he says, The Rebbe wants you to come for the fifth of Yah. It wasn't easy. The Gabbai helped him to walk up, and he gets there, and the Rebbe is reading the Parsha. And when he gets to the verse, there's no sorcery in Yaakov or any divination with Israel. He says it in a loud voice, Kilo Nachash bi Yaakov, velo kesem bi And then the Rebbe threw his head back, and his eyes rolled back into his head, and his face turned red. The Hasidim knew that this is what happened when the Rebbe's soul ascended up to the highest places in heaven when he was in a state of total dvekut, total connection to Hashem, almost not in this world. And then he kept repeating the words again and again, <inaudible> He said it louder and louder and louder. And already from the time that the young Hasid said the second bracha, after being called up to the Torah, he started to feel a little stronger. And after Shabbos, he felt that his health was returning completely. But before he left, he went to the Rebbe and told him the whole story. That there are these neighbors that curse every Jew that owns the inn. And the Rebbe said, you don't have to worry. With God's help, you will be well. Because there's no sorcery And Yaakov. And again, he repeated the pasuk again and again. With the same intensity. With his head being thrown back and his face turning red. And with that, he blessed the chassid with success. And the chassid felt that almost all of his health had been restored. On his way back home, he truly felt like himself again. And as he approached the outskirts of the village, a few of the Jewish villagers ran over to him. And they said, did you hear what happened? Right next door to your inn on Shabbos? He said, no, of course I didn't hear. I just came back from the Rebbe. Remember that Russian couple that was cursing the inn? They both died. All of a sudden, on Shabbos morning, and the Chassid said, when exactly? And it was exactly when the Al Rebbe was repeating the words again and again at the Torah reading on Shabbos morning. Because, my sweetest friends, the Jewish people are different and special. And as we learn from the Parsha, when Bilam tried to curse the Jewish people, he couldn't. And we see the miracles here in Israel as well, in the Six-Day War. And any our enemies tried to defeat us, miracles happened for us. We have to always remember, my sweetest friends, that even though we're living in this physical world, and it seems like all there is is what we can see and smell and taste, truly Hashem is running the world all the time, and He put the Jewish people in a special place where we're beyond all magic and sorcery. Hi good Shabbos, good job.
1: good job
0: another story for you. This took place around a 100 years ago. Every weekday night, the Vishnitzer Rebbe would go out for a stroll for about half an hour, and one of his students or his attendants would go along with him. And one day, the Rebbe stops in front of a large house in a neighborhood where not very many Jews lived, and the Shamesh's his attendant, he says to him, Rebbe, what are we doing here? And the Rebbe simply walks up the steps and knocks on the door, And the Shamash is saying to himself, what's the Rebbe doing here? This is the house of the bank manager. And the bank manager, even though he's a Jew, he was one of the leaders of the local Haskalah, the Enlightenment, which tried to convince Orthodox Jews to not believe in God and not practice Judaism anymore, to become assimilated Jews. And so the Shamash is wondering, what's the Rebbe doing here at the head of the Enlightenment movement in the town? The bank manager who separated himself from the Jewish community. And the Rebbe knocks on the door again. And the butler opens the door. He sees the Rebbe and his shamash. And he allows the Rebbe in. And they go up the steps. And they're seated in the salon. And the butler goes and calls the bank manager. And when he comes downstairs, he can't believe who's sitting in his house. The vision's a Rebbe. He says, Rebbe, shalom aleichem. What a great honor to have the Rebbe in my house. Please, Rebbe, come sit in a more comfortable chair. And he seats him in the finest chair in the house. And then he sits across from the Rebbe. And they have a little short conversation. And the bank manager is waiting for the Rebbe to tell him how come he's there. But the Rebbe just sits there in silence. And the bank manager is feeling a little uncomfortable. Of course, he's a distinguished gentleman. And it would be a little bit of cultural chutzpah to ask the Rebbe straight out what he's doing there. So he just sits there quietly with the Rebbe. But the Rebbe is just quiet. So the bank manager gets up and he signals to the Shamish, the Rebbe's attendant, to come and join him in the back room. And he says to the attendant, what? what's the rabbi doing here? Why is the Rebbe here? And the shamash says, I don't know. We were just walking on our normal walk at night. And the Rebbe goes and knocks on your door. So the bank manager goes and sits down across from the Rebbe. The Rebbe is just staring straight into the eyes of the bank manager. Complete silence between them. The bank manager, he's a little bit going out of his mind. Finally, after a few more minutes, the Rebbe stands up. Without saying a word, he walks towards the door. And of course, the bank manager, being a gentleman, he goes to escort the Rebbe out the door. He walks the Rebbe down the stairs and a little bit on the sidewalk. He's about to go back home, but he decides to walk with the Rebbe. And he walks with the Rebbe, who's calmly walking on the road, all the way back to the Rebbe's house. Before the Rebbe went up the steps of his own house, the bank manager, he couldn't restrain himself anymore, and he says, Rebbe, please, why did you come to my house? I know it's chutzpah to ask you, Rebbe, but we were at my house, and you didn't say a word, and we walked all the way back home, and you didn't say a word. Rebbe, what's going on? And the Rebbe slowly turns to the bank manager, and he says, I came to your house to do a mitzvah, and Bo Hashem, thank God, I was successful. So the bank manager says, Rebbe, what mitzvah did you do in my house? And the Rebbe said, that our sages of blessed memory say that just like it's a mitzvah to speak out when someone will listen to you, it's also a mitzvah not to say anything when you know that you won't be listened to. But what does it mean to not say anything, the Rebbe said? That I should sit in your house in silence? No, you have to go to the person who you're not supposed to say what he won't listen to, And then face to face, not say it. And that's exactly what I did. The bank manager couldn't handle the suspense. He said, Rebbe, so what is it that you didn't say to me in my house? The Rebbe said, ah, that I can't tell you. The bank manager says, why not? He said, because if I tell you, I'll lose my mitzvah. The mitzvah is to not say something that somebody won't hear. The bank manager said, but Rebbe, how do you know that I won't listen? The Rebbe said, I know. I know, my friend, I know. And the bank manager said, please, Rebbe, I know you're a holy man, but there's logic in the world. There's reason. And you can't know what I'm thinking. You have to tell me what it is. And the Rebbe said, sorry, I cannot tell you. The bank manager was begging. He said, please, Rebbe, just give me a chance. Please, Rebbe. And so the Rebbe said, okay, if you really feel that you might be able to listen, then it's worth me saying it to you. Yesterday, there was a woman who recently became a widow. She came to speak to me. She received notice from your bank that because she owes so much money on her mortgage and she's not able to pay it, that you're going to take her house from her and put it up for auction next week. That means that she and her little children will be homeless. And so she asked me to talk to you. She knows you're a Jew and she hoped you could find some compassion and help her. But I didn't bring it up with you because it's a mitzvah not to say something that somebody won't listen to. But Reppy, you don't understand. She doesn't owe me the money. She owes the bank the money. And I don't own the bank. I only manage the bank. The Rebbe said, you see, I knew you wouldn't listen. So thank you and good night. And then the Rebbe walked up the stairs to his house. The Shamesh walked with him and closed the door behind them while the bank manager stood on the street, silent and stunned. The bank manager walked home. The whole way, he's thinking, what is he supposed to do? What is he supposed to do? The next morning when he went to the bank, he pulled money out of his savings and paid the widow's entire mortgage out of his own bank account. And after doing a mitzvah like that, he couldn't continue to stay away from the Rebbe. The Rebbe brought him closer, he came to learn with the Rebbe, he came to daven with the Rebbe, and eventually he returned to his roots as a Torah observant Jew. And Whenever he could, he would help people with their loans and give tzedakah to anyone that he felt needed his help. Thank you so much for listening, my sweetest friends. I want to thank two of the new supporters of this podcast, Sam and Gemma DeFleep and Emmanuel Castro Vega. Thank you so much for becoming supporters and for your contributions. And I sent you both emails. I'd love to hear back from you if you get a chance. And thank you to all the people that stop me on the street and tell me that they listen to the podcast. They send me emails and contact me in all kinds of ways. Thank you for reaching out, and thank you for listening, and thank you for being part of this Hasidic story community. Please keep on sharing and retelling the stories. And until next week, my sweetest friends, have a good Shabbos and take care of yourselves.